this podcast is probably we're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, friends of the program. It's been a while since we've had them on. Mr. Ben Steele and Justin Kemp. Gentlemen, welcome in. How are we doing? What's going on? Doing good. How are you? Well, you know, breathing a little bit easier. Um, a little bit earlier today, news came out that uh, Ole Miss had uh, worked out an extension and uh, are keeping offensive coordinator Jeff Levy in Oxford. Uh, I think uh, Brian Harson and Auburn were doing their damnedest to steal him away from Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Um, I think he's a pretty integral part of the offense and, and what Matt Corral and them did this year. So it's good to uh, keep him in Oxford, in my opinion. And keep that cat around as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, I would tend to agree. Uh, mostly because I would have hated, just selfishly, I would have hated for Matt Corral to have had to deal with a fourth coordinator in his fourth year. That would have been brutal. Um, yeah, and the last thing we need is Auburn and Levy figuring out what to do with Bo Nix and having him have a Corral to, you know, nineteen to twenty type jump, and then we got to deal with that monster out of the West. Yeah, would not have been ideal. Um, all right, so I had you guys come on because we, we've talked about this offline plenty uh, throughout the year. Uh, last couple months, as it started to become more and more prevalent, uh, the opt-out thing. So uh, we obviously, Ole Miss dealt with Elijah Moore, Kenny Yaboa opting out towards the end of the season um, to get ready for the NFL Combine and the NFL Draft. Kenny Yaboa is playing in the Senior Bowl, so he's getting ready for that. Uh, we've discussed it plenty and both of you being former college athletes, I just wanted to have you guys on to, to get your thoughts on this. Um, now I'll go. So Justin, I'll I'll go to you first. Um, you, you threw out a couple of, uh, I guess some, some ideas we were kind of think tanking what to do, but I I know that you, you put a lot of thought into this. Um, I guess it was around new year's Eve, but just kind of in, in your opinion, not just, overall thoughts on opting out or not opting out, but just it, it, the quote unquote problem. Like what, what do you think is the best way to fix it? Sure. I mean, I, like, like you said, I, th- I think the overall problem stems from the kids inability to go to the league whenever they think they're ready. You know, I don't, that, that I think to me is what the biggest hindrance is and why you have so many guys that either going into their sophomore year, they are starting to get that draft type, you know, like the Derek Stingley's of the world to where, Hey, if you roll an ankle, just kind of hang out for a little bit. We don't need you doing anything. And I was, I was, t- we, I mean, we were talking a bit about it. And I think the first person that kind of opened that door was Jadavion Clowney after his sophomore year, he had a huge year and scouts and GMs were like, look, if you just don't play your junior year, we'll still take you first overall. Like we don't care. We you've proven everything you need to prove to us. We'll take you. And he played his junior year, but everybody remembers he was pretty skittish when it came to guys, you know, cut blocking him and things like that. That wasn't, he was like, man, what am I doing? You know? And then you had the Christian McCaffrey was like the first guy I remember who just came out and was like, I'm not playing in a bowl game. And all the Stanford guys were like, good, like get out, like go get your money. And so I think that kind of opened the floodgates once that, cause everybody started to say, Oh, what's well, character issue. These kids are quitters and whatever else. And then the NFL's like, I don't care. I'll still take you in the top 10 picks and I'll still pay you millions of dollars. 
And so I think that's the biggest issue that's kind of hindering those guys is whenever you're ready to go to the league, man, go to the league. I had a, uh, a good buddy of mine that made a pretty great point. His analogy I thought was pretty spot on. And Ben, we've had you on to talk gambling plenty before and we discuss it pretty much every day. But his analogy was this is like you have a 10 game parlay and you're heading towards the nightcap. Let's say you're heading towards Pac-12 after dark. You've hit on nine of the 10 in your parlay and you have a cash out option. Let's say you put down $300 and you're going into that 10th game and your cash, let's say your, your, your payout, your, your initial payout for hitting all 10 is let's say 40 grand and your cash out option is let's say 38 grand. Most people, now I say most people, a lot of people suck out there and a lot of people are dumb. Most people would be smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to take this 38 grand that I have right now in my pocket and I'm going to cash out. And I think that rolling the dice on that in that 10th game is kind of the equivalent of somebody like Elijah Moore rolling the dice to play in a torrential downpour in Baton Rouge against LSU. And then if he escapes that, you know, playing in the Outback Bowl. So I look at it as, like Justin said, where it's it's a business decision. You're ultimately trying to get to the next level. I mean, that's what you're doing. People throw around the term student-athlete a lot, but, I mean, Ben, ben as a guy that's been in that locker room with dudes who, yeah, okay, they didn't opt out, but, I mean, hell, you played with Laramie in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, he technically opted out in the second half. I mean, do, do you – think that this is going to be something that's just going to become the norm? Probably. I mean, you can't really blame the kids. Um, you know, when they're staring down the barrel of a you know multi-million dollar contract uh, in the near future and all you got to do is, you know, opt out of the last game and, you know, risk not, not getting hurt and all that, you can't, you can't blame them. Um, especially since, you know, these bowl games don't really, I mean, to fans they matter. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, unless you're in a New Year's Six or, you know, college football playoff uh, bowl game, you know, what is what is you playing in the Outback Bowl really do uh, for your individual stock? Um, I, I like that analogy you, you just threw out there about the, the cash-out option because I think that's a perfect analogy. I mean, it, it would almost be like if you win this 10th game, you win 40 grand, and if you cash out, you get 40 grand too because, like, playing that 10th game doesn't, doesn't do anything for you. Um, especially for your, your super talented guys. So, um, I can't, I can't say you blame them. I mean, I guess as a fan, you know, and as a football guy, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, they would, they would stick it out and play, but you know, when you're, when you're, when you're staring at real money, life-changing money, um, where you could potentially set your family up for, for a long, long time, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to risk it. I should say that's my, that's my two cents. So here, let me, let me ask you guys this. If I told you coming out of coming out that you're going into your junior year, Ben, you were, you were, say you were going to be a second round NFL draft pick guy. And I told you, if you didn't play a down, you would make, so the average American across the United States, right? 
I looked at some labor and statistics. They, the average income is 60 grand for the, for just the average American. That means over 20 years, you could make that average salary. If you signed a $1.2 million contract for the NFL, how many of your second, third round guys, they're making about a million dollars. I mean, even your second round guys, I mean, DK, AJ, those guys signed for more than that. You know, I mean, I I go, I go back. I'm, I'm thinking like for me, so the conversation we were having, I actually had, I, I went and saw some guys that I played college baseball with this weekend and we were sitting at his house and we were kind of having this discussion and it was me, another guy who pitched with me and then another guy who is now a coach actually in college. And the guy was just, Oh, you're a quitter. He's like, you can't do that. He was fighting me on it. And I asked him, I said, all three of us at the table had career ending injuries, pitching in games that didn't matter. And none of us ever made any money in pro ball. I was like, so you're telling me that doesn't, that doesn't negotiate what we could have been worth. I mean, the guy that we were sitting with, he was a six, three lefty that threw in the mid nineties and had a breaking ball. I mean, he was worth probably 800,000 to a million was what his advisors were telling him after his sophomore year. And yet he went out and pitched two weeks in on the second weekend. He tears his labrum in his hip, comes back from rehabbing that and ends up having Tommy John after that and never pitched again. And it was like guys like that. It's like, what are, what are we incentivizing these kids with, especially when they can't make any money while they're playing I mean, you look, if I'm AJ Brown and I'm his advisor, I would have ripped him off the field. And when they were out in Little Rock and DK broke his neck, I'd have been like, buddy, we're done. <laughs> like, come here. We're not doing this. <laughs> like that cat literally just broke his neck and you're an all American. Like you're going to make your money. And that's, that's what I think. If, if the NCAA doesn't find a way to take care of these kids, the bowl game is just the start. I mean, it's the kids that really are worth some money, even your, you know, first, second, third round guys, they're going to get to the point where why did AJ Brown play in the, when Ole Miss finished his last year, what five and seven, four and eight. Mm-hmm. So going into down the down stretch, he knew he wasn't going to a bowl game. He knew he wasn't like, he was putting himself at risk for what? You know, and it's and it's a bummer because I think if you'd have given AJ the chance after a sophomore year to go to the league, he could have gone to the league and we see what he's doing. You know, so it's not to say that he needs to stop during the middle of what he started, but don't make like once he's ready to go make his money, let him go make his money. I mean, that's that's what I think the worry is going to be is you get into a situation where, you know, a team starts out and they're preseason top 25 and they're going to be a playoff team and they come out and they start the year two and two well, they're out of the playoffs now. And then you've got your first, second round guys that are, they, they opt out then, you know, game five, like Nick Bosa did a couple years ago when he tore his, his abdominal muscle and was like, nah, I'm out boys. Still went in the first round, still got paid and just signed some huge contract. You know, that's, that's what I think the progression's going towards if they don't find a way to remedy and get these kids paid for in some capacity. Yeah. NCAA has got to figure something out and I don't really know what it would look like, but there's got to be a well, it would be money out of their pocket, you know, and they don't want that. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, they got to figure out something, and whatever that is, they got to figure out a way to incentivize these guys to play because, um, you know, or, or if they don't want to incentivize them, they don't need to complain when they when they opt out and, you know, decide to, you know, take it in and collect that money in a few months. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I was talking to Zach. There's the M, the NCAA has such a like like we were talking about earlier. The student athlete moniker is such a strange thing to us because you were guided throughout your academic career to certain classes, certain majors that didn't interrupt with practice, didn't interrupt with games. And to say, oh, well, they're getting a free education. There's very few guys that are actually getting degrees that they can do something with on the back end. Right. I mean, and that that's, that's the bummer of it is you've got, I mean, like we're talking about like with the NBA guys, there's a kid from, I just watched this documentary. He's a kid that was a five-star kid two years ago. And he was going to go to Syracuse, play for Jim Beheim, try to be Carmelo Anthony 2.0. And I want to say it was Adidas. They went to him and said, Hey, if you just come to our shop, we'll give you a quote paid internship for a year. We'll pay you a million dollars. You just come to our facility, you train, you go be a first rounder like you're going to be anyways. And then you sign a endorsement deal with us on the back end. And then we're all taken care of. Like that's, that's the, the worry is kids are going to figure like people are going to figure out how valuable these kids are. And they're going to end up coming out and saying there's, there's, it's very hard for me to understand how, I don't know, the, the third string tied end right now, I don't even know who that would be, but he's equally as valuable as Devonte Smith, you know, like that, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, and, and, you know, you talk about looking at labor statistics and the average, you know, take home pay for, for Americans. And that's a, an argument that comes up a lot when, all right, so if, if the NCAA is going to implement this NLI payout for, for student athletes, okay, cool. But then, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants to do the whole like, well, you know, uh, Devontae Smith's going to get more than, you know, the long snapper at Alabama. Like, is that fair? And it's like, well, no. That's it, You know, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it is fair. I guess is what I was saying. Like, like, no, like you idiot. It is fair because Devonte Smith is worth more because he's a better player. He makes more money for the school. He makes more money for the university. Yeah, the hundred thousand seats on Saturdays aren't filled up to watch the long snapper. They're yeah. there to watch Devonte Smith do something other humans can't do. <laughs> yeah, and, and like the the whole like the thing that I've had to combat with with people that do the whole like well they're they're quitters and like they they signed they signed up for this and blah like well okay yeah they did but like they're not there for your entertainment like they don't well, they also signed up for it because there's no other what other options yeah there's nowhere else yeah there's nowhere yeah. else to go they've monopolized the market i mean that's what we took like my thing was one of the ideas that i thought the xfl was about to steal some big time talent away was that, that where why the reason everybody calls football players or whomever that opt out quitters is because you can't go to the league until you've been out of school for three years. Like why, where is this arbitrary three year window? What, what, what good is that? I mean, how many people that, I mean, hell we went to Ole Miss. It took me five years to graduate. I wasn't close to graduating at the two and a half year part, part when these football guys, they're not going to school in the spring semester when they're trying to get drafted. They're going there for two and a half years. They took EDHE and walking for fitness and they're doing anything they can do just to get eligible. I mean, those, those people over there have a hard enough time, get them into class. But if you incentivize them on the back end and said, Hey, your endorsement deals are predicated on you being on the field. Well, now you've got kids that are like, Hey, I got to go 
the, the same, they're going to play in those games because they're trying, that's where their money's made. Like you, you look at the thing, the thing that bums me out is not necessarily like everybody goes back to like the millionaire NBA NFL guys. And like, I hear that. And those, those guys mostly are going to be taken care of anyways, cause they're just good enough. The guys that are, that I get really frustrated about are like the Bo Wallace's of the world, the guys that are going to be the Aaron Murray's of the world, you know, guys that are sec starters for three and four years they probably don't have an NFL ceiling, but they, they could have played in the league for a little bit. Those guys, their biggest opportunity to make money for them was as the starting quarterback at Ole Miss. And, and that's, that's the bummer, starting quarterback at Georgia. I mean, that, that was their window to make money. Now Bo's having to work his way up through the junior college system, trying to make an, you know, trying to coach, trying to make a way because football didn't, as a player, didn't work out for him. And so now he's got to find another avenue to make some money. I mean, it's, it, you're limiting guys' windows to make money. Whereas if if I came to Zach and I said, hey, you're really good at this podcasting thing. I want to pay you. I mean, you look at the TikTok kids. They're all dancing and whatever, making millions and millions of dollars because they wear a T-shirt. I mean, how come they can make money? And yet Devontae Smith is sitting over here with he's got his stipend so he can go get a Subway sandwich tonight before he goes home. <laughs> yeah. After winning the Heisman. Uh, yeah. yeah. After winning the Heisman. I mean. You look back at what what was that documentary with um, uh, Arian Foster and those guys? That do you remember that? Yeah. So yeah, he tells a story about how he runs for he. I mean, obviously Arian Foster's the running back at starting running back at Tennessee when they were really good. He goes out, he runs for 140 yards, and once the game's over, like he's looking for something to eat, right? Like they they didn't do post game meal that day, so he's sitting there trying to eat. Well, everybody's like, oh, well, they pay for your food. So you've got to swipe a card. You're good. Well, if there's nothing open after a game, where do you go get something to eat? You just packed out Neyland Stadium with 100,000 people. And yet your starting running back is going to go to bed hungry because there's he doesn't have any money. And all the food locations on campus are closed. Yeah. I mean, that's that's that. How does that make sense? Well, let me ask you all this before you all played in college. Did it ever cross your mind when you were putting on the pads or, you know, lacing up your cleats? Did it ever cross your mind like, man, I have to go do this because I owe it to all the fans. Like, it is my job to entertain fans, and it's my job. Oh, it wasn't about the fans. I mean, it was my, it was the guys. You know, it was the teammates. It was, hey, we went through all this stuff together. That would that would be more the pull. But, yeah, the fans, I they the fans are so fickle. They don't care about us. You know, if you don't wear their jersey anymore, I mean, how many how many Ole Miss fans are really in Tony Connor's corner anymore now that he's not a five star safety going to play in the NFL as a first round guy? He gets hurt and he's probably he jacked up his knees back in Batesville. Ole Miss fans don't care. That's one of those. They don't even I mean, I went to the Grove a couple of years ago and I saw Cody Pruitt there and he had shaved his hair because he was in the real world and you got to have, you know, look professional. Yeah. And he's walking around the Grove. No one's talking to him. And I'm like, that dude was an all American here. And people like, and like two, three years ago, like it wasn't that far out from his like playing career. And yet, Hey, you don't, you don't do the walk of champions anymore. So whatever, go sell cars, you know? Yeah. I, well, I mean, that's my thing. It's like, okay, I get you're a fan and you want to be entertained on Saturday. And I mean, who doesn't, we all watch it and we, we take in the games win or lose, but like you said, Justin, you're, you're playing for the guy next to you. You're playing for all your teammates, the coaches, everybody that helped you get there. 
But even those guys at this point, I guarantee you there's not a soul on that roster that was mad at Elijah Moore or Kenny Aboa for sitting out. Nobody was. No. Because they, they got the, No, they're saying, hey, man, go get yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the point. It's like, I get people want, like, you know, me, like, there was like a brief second where I selfishly wanted Elijah to play because I wanted him to keep breaking records. But I get it. Mm-hmm. Because the timing sure. lined up to where it was very evident that Yabo was playing the senior bowl. So he's done. He's not coming back. So he was going to get ready. Mm-hmm. Elijah almost certainly. You know, 99.9% was given a first round grade by someone and was told, You've done everything you've needed to do. You don't need to play anymore. And then, you know, on top of that, it doesn't get talked about a lot. Both of them were dealing with nagging injuries. Elijah was dealing with toe, mm-hmm. and Yaboa had a shoulder issue. So you're not even 100%. And on top of everything else that I just said, it's a pandemic season. You've got COVID issues going around. So look, business decision you're going to remove yourself from all of that and you're going to get ready for the most important job interview of your entire life i mean that's that's what they're there for i don't it 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 just blows my mind that there are people out there that do the whole like well you got a free education this whole time like we deserve to see you no you don't no because those kids would gladly give back their free education if they could have declared for the league a year or two before (laughs) Yeah. Like you, you can't tell me, you can't tell me Laramie Tunsil needed two more years at Ole Miss after his freshman year. Like Derek yeah. Stingley didn't need two more years at LSU. Trevor Lawrence didn't need two more years. Like, and granted those are rare cases, but we're talking first rounders. I promise you, you ask Joe Blow, who's yelling at Elijah because he didn't lace his cleats up for the, the game against Iowa where kids are puking all over the field and whatever else. Like, if you just said, Hey, I'll give you fourth round NFL money right now. They would be like, man, I'm in gone. (laughs) That they don't care. I mean, it's, it's such a, such a narrow minded approach when you think that these kids are just out there for your, because they're wearing the Jersey that you went to school with 25 years ago that you get to tell a kid what's best for him. I mean, go get yours, man. Cause you got one body, you know, you got one career. Yeah. Ben, do you remember talking to Laramie at all at that Sugar Bowl at halftime? Do you remember him saying anything about, you know, when he took his shoulder pads off? Do you remember, I mean, did you even have a conversation with him or was it just like a, oh, I see what you're doing, no big deal? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> we kind of knew what he was doing. You came up to him and kind of gave him a little, you know, the handshake or whatever, and you just said thanks, you know, thanks for everything. And the coaches all came up to him and said thanks for everything. So I think even the coaches – the coaches understood, and we were also beating the, the shit out of Oklahoma State. There wasn't really any <laughs> even risk. I think Laquan maybe – did he finish out the game? Didn't he score he did, one yeah. or something like that? Um, I think Laramie almost – just kind of almost took himself out. And I don't blame him. Well, yeah, Laramie broke his ankle the year before. Right. Yeah. You know? So I'm sure he was like, eh, that's all right. I mean, hell, Robert didn't even play. He jumped out of a window and still went in the first round. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, he, yeah, he, right. he opted out by jumping out of the window. But um, <laughs> well, it, was, it was still a di- it was it was still a different mindset when I was even when I you know I guess that was four years ago, five years ago now. Shoot, um, you know the, the opting out thing wasn't really a thing yet. So I think people's mindsets were a little different or they almost felt forced to play. Now, like y'all were mentioning earlier, kind of the floodgates open and people kind of realize like, oh, I don't have to, 
Because imagine if the Peach Bowl was Laramie's last game and he screwed up his mm-hmm. whatever his knee or ankle, whatever he did, and that was the year he was sure. supposed to get drafted. I mean, but what if that was Laquan? I mean, what if that was Laquan's year? I mean, if either of them, if that had been their draft year, and you played in a game that, true. right? I mean, but they, but but the NCAA told them, hey, you've got to come back for another year, even though both of you are all Americans and you're going to be first rounders. Nah, you've got to come back because we need to. We need to make another year's worth of money off of you guys. Well, imagine being in a job where you're doing you're doing the same work and you're getting paid nothing, knowing that like if you were somewhere else at another company, you would be making millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> you couldn't go to that company. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, yeah. Of imagine, course, you can't do that. Imagine what your mindset. Would be. Right. Imagine if the if your employer told you, "Hey, if you want to quit your job." you have to sit out a year and not make any money before you can make any money again. How does that make any sense? No, it makes zero sense. Like, well, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's so wild. Well, last thing here, and this is a great point. You, Ben, you brought up Laquan, finished the game out. Well, this is a great, you know, comparison. So Laramie, everything, the, the work was done. He didn't need to play the second half. He was dominating, even, right. even caught the touchdown pass. Yeah. Perfect cap, done. It led led block by Ben Still. Let's not act like that didn't happen. Come on now. Exactly. Yeah. I led the way. Ran and and jumped around and threw his hands up in circles and all that. Um, uh, It It was a club Hess party. Come on. Yeah. If if somebody comes at you and says, well, well, Laramie's a quitter because Laquan finished the game out. Well, this is a, a perfect situation to say, okay, well, here's how you should look at it. Laramie had already done enough, you know, whoever met, let's say, you know, there were several NFL teams that had already told him like, you know, the Dolphins, the Seahawks and, you know, the Titans, like, Hey, if you're there, we're taking you. So you don't need to do anything else. Laquan, on the other hand, was coming back off of a devastating injury. A lot of teams were still on the fence about him. You know, is his speed going to be the same? Is his quickness in and out of breaks going to be the same? I'm pretty sure Laquan was probably getting a lot of that from scouts and from GMs that were saying, hey, man, we, we, we liked you before the injury. We want to see how you bounce back. So you best believe that he was wanting to put on a show that night because Oklahoma State's a ranked team. It's a sugar bowl. It's a big stage. I mean, you want to go out with a bang, but also you want to prove to these NFL scouts that you could still do it. I mean, that's why he finished the game. What? If, if I'm remembering correctly, too, and I'm, I may be thinking of something else, but didn't he need that last touchdown to break some, like, touchdown record or something like that? Like a uh, bowl game, like, season touchdown record? I think, like, I think you're right. I think it was the single season record. I'm pretty sure. And he needed, like, one more touchdown to break it, and then he got it, and then they took him out. Like, I, I think that may have played a little bit into it, too. I could be wrong, though. I think you're right. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, and I think AJ broke it maybe the next year. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, Laquan had their single season uh, receptions record up until AJ broke it. And then um, let's see. Receiving touchdowns, I think is what it was. Yeah, so that one broke the record, and then AJ tied it two years later. So yeah, he broke Chris Collins' record of ten touchdowns in a year in that bowl game. So yeah, 
break the record. Cool. You're done. Take the pads off. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, we're all in agreement here. There's probably some out there that disagree and that's fine, but I just figured it would, it would be a nice viewpoint to have two dudes that have actually played college sports to, to kind of express their thoughts on this. Cause I, you know, at this point, everybody can have their own opinion. That's, that's, that's all good, but I, I don't fault these dudes one bit that are wanting to cash in on their, you know, this is their career. This is their job. If you, if someone's going to fault you for, you know, taking a, a, a position at another company somewhere else, that's going to further, you know, everything for your family financially, then you'd be pissed too. So. Um, sure. I mean, here's a, here's a question for you. I didn't think about till just right now. What do you think the rate, if, if the degree is so valuable to these kids and being a student athlete is so valuable, how many kids that leave after their junior year go back and finish? Oh man. Do you have an actual number on that? I would love to know that. I, I don't, I, like I said, I just thought about it. I, I know with a lot of the baseball guys, well, like they would get drafted and that part of the deal to get those kids to go out of high school was, Hey, like we'll pay for you to go back to school for four years. Mm-hmm. So even if you come, like you still can go get the education and there's plenty of guys that if they play long enough in the league, you're more likely if you get drafted out of high school to go back and get a degree versus if you actually go to college on the front end, get drafted after your junior year. I know a lot of dudes, if they don't immediately get that degree, I mean, you've, we, I mean, Ole Miss has still got guys from like the, the first, like, Oh, four team or get their They have some deal where they get, let the baseball guys come back and finish their degree. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that, that I just don't know that they even come back because the education that they're getting is that's not the value, you know, they're, they're not there for the business school at Ole Miss. They're there to, cause Ole Miss gives them the best chance of getting to the league. Yeah. Or if college degrees are so, are so awesome and great. How many football players, that don't make it to the league end up with good paying, you know, good jobs or jobs at all. If their degree is so special. Well, and, and here's, uh, well, I'll, here, here's a point to that. I mean, you know, Marshall Henderson's a uh, GA right now for the basketball team. Cause he's back get, finishing his degree, but I don't think he's, mm-hmm. he's not there if he doesn't have a basketball connection. No. I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, that, that keeps, I mean, that, that keeps a lot of kids, puts them in the right spot, you know, it gets them, gives them a chance. It's more so to just to get them, get them out of a bad situation more so than it is to give them a prop to get themselves into a good situation on the back end. You know, a lot of those kids use that to, man, I get to eat, you know, I got a, I got a bed for myself that the football team gives me a, a cot, you know, I mean, it's, it's better than nothing, you know, but it's limited by that's what the NCAA deems good enough. I mean, there, there's a rule that the football team could give us a bagel, but if they put peanut butter on there, that was an impermissible benefit. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, um, all right. So any final thoughts before we take our break? I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. I just think the NCAA has got to figure something out and, you know, people may hate the idea that, student athletes or college athletes could potentially be getting paid. But I mean, you can't, you can't get mad at them for taking money and sitting out while they're not getting paid. I mean, they, they've got, in some ways got a problem on their hand. If 
they may have to open up the, the pocketbook to, to fix it. So we'll see what happens. Or expand the playoff and make the games matter. I mean, you don't yeah. see opt-outs in college basketball. You yeah. don't see opt-outs in college baseball, you know, because the games still matter. So if you wanted to still play the amateurism card, you could at least go about it that way and say, hey, we're at least going to make this a big deal and kind of do it like the FCS does. And then every game that they play still matters. And then if they're done, they're done, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, shorten the regular season, expand it to eight or 16 teams. I mean, if the FCS can do it, there's no reason why FBS can't. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine a, an opening round playoff game in the fall <laughs> yeah. in the Grove, how packed that would be? I mean, come on, like you, you could have, you know, number one, Ohio State taking on 16 seed Ole Miss. I mean, come on. Yeah. So um, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're, we're going to take our break real quick. Um, hear from the sponsors when we come back. We're going to do a brief little preview of the national title game between Ohio State and Alabama. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis, and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out their rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views, 
of downtown Memphis of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their healing station, High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that healing station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend. And then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion. All right, so real quick, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on the playoff games before the national championship game. Ben and I were talking before we started, Justin. I was completely, completely shocked at how bad Ohio State just absolutely whipped Clemson. A hundred percent. That was the, that was the unfortunate part was that was the game I was excited to watch because <laughs> you knew Alabama was going to blast Notre Dame again. And then you get out there and Justin Fields – takes that shot to the ribs. And I was like, man, because I remember we were actually talking about the whole opt-out thing right before that. And I was like, well, hopefully nothing happened to fields right there, you know, and then he turns it on. And I mean, he played un, he was unbelievable that night. He was unbelievable. He's going to need to do that again on (laughs) to beat the tide now. (laughs) I mean, I was a, I, I bet Ohio State, but I wasn't too confident in it. But, geez, I mean, to see Clemson get smoked like that, um, I don't know. I think this game will be good on Monday. Uh, so, I was telling Ben before we started, Justin, if, if Fields was 100%, I would be somewhat inclined to possibly throw something at the money line Ohio State's way. I'm not sure how healthy he is. Did they even diagnose hmm. anything? Is it just bruised? Uh, apparently, they asked his mom, and she just was like, we're not talking about it, but he's going to play. Okay. And then some of the rumors swirling now are they're trying to pull COVID so that they can get his ribs as far away from that shot as possible. Mm. But uh, that's – who knows with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this one's uh, – this is going to be an interesting one because you've got, I mean, back-to-back games where Trey Sermon 
just looks like an absolute is a dog. He is a dog. So he's close to 500 yards rushing in his last two games. He went over 300 against Northwestern, who has a top 20 defense. And then he ran for 193 and a touchdown against Clemson, who is a top five defense. Um, we already talked about Justin Fields and how he was out of his mind. Um, this is a different Bama team, though. They, they do it with offense. Um, the defense is, is nothing to scoff at, but it's not your typical top five Bama defense. So this is quite the quite the interesting matchup here because I feel like the way Ohio State was able to just manhandle Clemson at the point of attack that they have a good shot at you know at least handling Alabama at the line of scrimmage and Sermon can run free and and kind of open things up more for fields but at, at this rate the way Alabama's played and you know Heisman Trophy winning Devonte Smith over there it's it, it seems like it's just going to be a matter of can you keep pace well, that's that's the thing I was thinking when I watched the game the other night, and I was trying to figure out how is it that we played that Indiana team, and they slowed things down to a bit, and yet they torched Ohio State's defense. I mean, they put forty something. I granted, Penix was playing, yeah. but if that offense and those receivers can do that to Ohio State, Mac Jones is going to sit back there and just wear them boys out. So I don't know that Justin Fields is going to be able to keep pace with – I mean, it's going to – it wouldn't surprise me if you got into a race kind of like the Ole Miss-Alabama game where it's just – don't it's, it's like NCAA football. Don't kick a field goal because you lose, you know. Yeah, and for me it was, it was a lot of, you know, how – how much can they control the line of scrimmage and, and how effective can Trey Sermon be? Is it going to be where they try to shorten the game and play some keep away? Um, or are they going to be able to, you know, can they actually run the football successfully and to keep Mac Jones on the sideline? I mean, I think that's where the game's at. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'll be curious to see if, if they try to do some up-tempo, a lot like what Kiffin and them did, trying to give them a hard time, because that's – I mean, that's – I was I was looking at some stuff and from that game specifically, and Clemson had a really hard time lining up. And I think a lot of that had to do with Ohio State just went fast. And so it'll be curious to see if Alabama has figured out a way to combat that and be able to get lined up, get where they need to go. Because they, they've never – it's never been a question of if they got dudes. It's always been, are they going to be lined up and looking at the ball? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, that was, I mean, because what, how, how many yards did Ole Miss rush for against Alabama? Ooh. Um, Wasn't it north of 200? Yeah, let me look it up. Because I believe that was a stat that was thrown out. Uh, in that game, Ole Miss ran for 268. <laughs> I mean, mm. I mean, Snoop Connor and Jaron Ely are pretty good, but Trey Sermon's also very good, and the Ohio State offensive line is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Do they know if um, Master Teague is going to play? Uh, let me do a little quick Twitter search to see if he Because I know he didn't play in the in the playoff game, but and that's kind of where Sermon kind of got his legs under him. Was, was kind of their that was their dude, you know. But if you can get both of those guys rolling, I mean, the thing that's going to be different with that is Fields with 
if he throws a deep ball like he did against Clemson, it's going to be really hard not to play two safeties with Alabama, you know. And you, you, if you get a light box and you can get only six dudes in there, I mean, then it's just picking your poison. And then Fields, if they do any zone reads, you've got an extra blocker at that point. You know, then it's six guys in the box, seven offensive guys in the box, and Fields runs his own read and he's off for 15 yards. I would be curious, though, how much running they try to use him with if his ribs are truly – yeah. If they're not right, I wonder if they limit his usage that way, and I wonder if that kind of throws off the dynamic of their offense or if he just bombs away like he did against Clemson and just <laughs> stolen 60-yard bombs. Yeah, and, you know, they didn't really do a ton of zone read against Clemson. They just kind of ran right at him. So um, I kind of anticipate them doing more of the same with Bama because, you know, Bama's got a good defense, but it's not your typical big, humongous defensive line and and big hulking linebackers that they normally have so it'll be uh it'll be interesting but uh yeah monday night seven o'clock um as of now i don't know if they're gonna try to push it back or not but um but yeah i i, I think uh as of now i would say i'd take ohio state to cover what what is the line right now the last i saw was eight and a half Ooh, i might still go bama yeah i would some boys would be are... shocked they mm. beat them by a couple scores, but it'll be interesting nevertheless. Um, I will say Ben's computer died, so he dropped off. But uh, but Justin, appreciate you joining. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, here let's see. Ben said he did find a charger, so let's see if he can j- jump back on here. But um, <laughs> were you? I didn't even see who. How did the Heisman? I know Devonte Smith won. Um, I'm pulling it up now to see where they finished. So Devontae Smith won. Trevor Lawrence finished second. Wow. Hmm. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know how you do that, and then you don't have. I mean, Kyle Trask had a crazy year. I mean, obviously they voted before the his uh, bowl game. Yeah. So I mean, what was he like? Forty three touchdowns and three picks or something. And the last game they saw was him wearing out Alabama's defense. Yeah, wow. That's that's tough. Yeah, um, yeah Devontae Smith's the first receiver to win the Heisman since Desmond Howard in 1991. Uh, of the last 15 winners, only three have been non-quarterbacks. So, I mean, how about that? Which is crazy because I, I felt like that narrative was pretty heavily Kyle Trask for – what would you say the first eight weeks of the year? And then something kind of changed right around that punt return that he had against Arkansas, but he only had like 40 receiving yards in that game. So I I was like, man, that's a, that's a weird kind of turn. And then after that, he just turned the burners on and just wore everybody out. But man, that's, I didn't expect Lawrence to come in at two. Um, All right, Ben, I see you're back real quick. Uh, Who are you taking in this game? The line's eight and a half. Is it eight and a half Bama? Yeah. I'll probably dabble with Ohio State. Eight and a half's a lot. Um maybe not. I'd probably take Ohio State. <laughs> I'd take Ohio State in the over. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. I don't hate I don't hate that. Yeah, I mean I think uh like I said, I might do a little money line action, but also uh I could easily see, as Justin said, I could easily see Bama winning by a couple scores, but um but yeah, so hey, Jeff Levy, new two year deal, staying in Oxford. Twenty twenty one is gonna be fun. 
Um, I can't wait. Talked about it yeah, I mean, we we talked about it yesterday with David Brandt. I mean, I think uh, I guess it's week four when uh, Liberty comes to town. Uh, oh. That'll be that'll be must see TV for sure. <laughs> what if both are undefeated? Will game day be there? Ooh, Let me pull up the schedule. I play Bama. Gosh, well, I I thought they were playing Bama the fourth, and then they played Liberty like that November, um, the November game. Oh, you're right. So I'm looking at just the games that are scheduled. So September fourth, the open. I got you. I got September eleventh, Austin P. September eighteenth, Tulane, and then November sixth, Liberty. The all yeah. the SEC games are TBA. So what do you? What is your? Before we leave, I'm going to hold you to this. So whatever you say, just know. What is your 2021 prediction if the schedule plays out like you just saw? With those four games being the first four games, right? And then Tennessee being your East crossover, like an overall record or? Oh yeah. So if we go opener four eleven eighteen, and then that would be. Let's see. Yeah, November. Is Louisville good anymore? I don't think so. I, I oh, no. Their coach tried to leave halfway through the season. <laughs> I, as of now, I'd probably say Ole Miss is probably going to be like a 10.5-point favorite in that game. Um, so what do you think the overall record is going to be? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. I'd probably set the over under eight wins, seven and a half wins over under. I'd, I'd probably go over and think Ole Miss has a shot to win eight because I think you win your non con and then you've got a really good shot to beat State, Arkansas, Vandy, and Tennessee. And then your toss ups are Bama, Auburn, LSU, and AM. <clears throat> and I mean, right now, there's no. Eight and, eight and four in year two? Yeah. yeah I mean, like, that. what's LSU going to look like? What's Auburn going to look like with, with a new coach, a new staff? What's A&M going to look like without Kellen Mond? Alabama's going to be good. But right, because no that's, that's the tricky one for me. Because if they wanted no part of the Rebels this year without Kellen Mond, what does that say about whoever they got in the QB room right now? I was going right to say, quick, can you name their backup quarterback? Because I can't. Yeah, it's Cade Calzada. I just know that because his last name is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> or it might even be Haynes King because he's a freshman, like four-star, five-star kid that was supposed to be all that, which is why I was shocked that they wouldn't play with him because all you had to do was hand it to Spiller 40 times and they were going to win. Yeah, I mean, so what do you all think? If I set the over-under at seven and a half. I'll I'll give it over. I mean, if you win your four non-cons, you beat State – Find a way to freaking beat Arkansas. There's six. <laughs> I can beat Bandy. Then, you know, Tennessee, whatever. You know, I I used to <clears> – I was a believer in Jeremy Pruitt, but I don't know if I'm a believer in, believer in him anymore. Um, I don't know. Who's going to be their running back next year? I have no idea. I guess it's just going to be Eric Gray. Like Eric Gray's got NCAA stuff all over him. And then yeah. you got Ty Chandler got in the transfer portal today. Eric Gray just wanted to run through the tee, baby. Is LSU going to have the 
Uh, LSU yeah. can have the death penalty penalty this time next year. <laughs> hey, at the rate at the well, rate we're going, you know, <laughs> something's got to happen. So, I love um, the the bowl opt out at three and six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, or whatever they were. So incredibly brave. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, seven and a half. We're all going over. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I mean, hell, look if if Corral can get better, take care of the football a little more, defense can improve. I mean, there's no, I don't think it's too crazy to think that Ole Miss can mess around and win nine games. Maybe can we can we just have an but, average defense, please? Just an yeah, average. Just, oh, just, give, just give us a defense <laughs> in the seventies, and we're cooking. Man, in right yeah. there, in. Um, but, uh, but anyway, well, we can be Oklahoma State. That's fine by me. Be, uh, you know, be Baylor before uh, they did all their shady and terrible shit. I mean, <laughs> score a bunch and just have a defense that gets some stops. That, that's all we need. So, um, well, guys, appreciate y'all joining me. This was this was fun. We'll do it again. Um, but uh, thanks to Justin. Thanks to Ben for joining. Thanks to y'all for listening. Uh, thank you to the sponsors for making it possible. Uh, we'll, we'll try to, uh, like I said on our episode earlier this week, we'll, we'll try to ramp things back up as basketball gets going and then baseball will be here before we know it next month. And we'll, uh, we'll get that ramped up. So, uh, for those two guys over there, I'm Zach between podcast rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out. <laughs>